Welcome to One Fry Short, you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other. We are not experts. Not even close. But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to One Fry Short. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Jamie. It's been like a month. Sure has, yeah. It's actually spring, and we've been talking about spring since November, and so... Oh my God. We made it. Yeah, we made it. We're like, what, two or three days from April-ish? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But we haven't had an episode together in a minute. Yeah. I know. Um, so it feels kind of unavoidable to not talk about um, the shooting that happened this week in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I hate to kick off this way, um, but we have to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, const, every episode we're like, and we have a mental health episode or podcast, so this is why we have to talk about it, and yeah, here we are. Yeah, and these shootings affect both Rachel and I quite deeply. Mm-hmm. Rachel, as we know, is a mom of two. I'm a mom of none, but it Sandy Hook happened my senior year of college, and after I graduated, I went to work in news, and I covered dozens I don't know what the exact number is but I covered dozens probably hundreds of shootings Mm -hmm. um the Pulse nightclub shooting happened the day before I met Connor Orlando right yep um that was brutal for me I think I think the shootings combined with the political madness of this country is the primary reason why I left news Mm -hmm. because I did love a lot of the things about it but it became too much for me no matter who you are or what your situation is if you have kids if you don't have kids if you've been personally affected by shooting everyone in this country has been somehow impacted over the last decade decade and it seems completely nonsensical and I just cannot believe that we're still here. I was at the White House this week for work and I had a truly magical experience there. Um, it was it was filled with so many different types of people and so much positivity and so much pride and history and grace and it made me it made me think about how much potential this country has. Yes, yeah, the hope. I was sitting in the East Room of White House, mm-hmm. just brimming with just like, oh my God, what an incredible group of people. But it is not the same in the day-to-day reality of being an American. Mm-hmm. And there's such a dichotomy there. Yeah. And... It made me sad, Um, but we truly have so much potential. Yeah, I know. We have so many people in this country fighting for the right things and and trying to do what's best for our society. We have 
some of the smartest minds here doing the smartest work that should be leading our country. And we leave it up to these asshole politicians I know. to do it. And uh, I know. Yeah, it, it is the general population, the majority all want something and it not happen because of the leaders and money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have talked often on this podcast about becoming a mom, if I will, if I won't. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone with my husband last night, and we were talking about the shooting. He's traveling for work, and he was telling me that he had like a little bit of an emotional moment earlier in the day about it. And um, I was quite emotional about it. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you know, I'm probably going to cry. Um, I told him, you know, this is why I feel like I can't have kids. I can't logically bring them into a world like this. Mm-hmm. And Connor is the glass half full guy in our mm-hmm. relationship. I am the glass half empty. I am the pragmatic realist teetering on the negative. And, you know, he said to me, you hope that your children will make a difference. Um, and then he said, to not have children is to give up on humanity. Mm. And wow. I had never thought about it like that. Yeah. And it made me immediately start crying. And Because it feels like that's where you're at right now is that you've given up on humanity. And yes. I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah. Um, and so this episode, believe it or not, is about hope. Yes. So I'm going to talk today about um, a very different kind of story about a woman who was diagnosed with leukemia at 22 and beat it at 27. Mm-hmm. Her name is, I don't know if you're familiar with her. Her name is Suleika Jawad. Mm-hmm. She is the author of Between Two Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she was diagnosed with um, leukemia at 22. And through a series of treatments, she was cured of that leukemia at 27. Mm-hmm. And she has a TED Talk about this experience. And she talks about how the hardest part of her diagnosis was not getting through cancer, but it was the aftermath, mm-hmm. how she recovered yeah. and she felt lost. And so I just wanted to read a little bit about, or I wanted to talk a little bit about her story. Um, and the reason I, the reason I wanted to talk about her was because she posted a poem last night that Rachel also sent me. And it feels so poignant and perfect for this moment. It's called Island by Langston Hughes. And I'm going to read it. Um, Wave of sorrow, do not drown me now. I see the island still ahead somehow. I see the island and its sands are fair. Wave of sorrow, take me there. So beautiful. Um, And that's sort of how it feels. And so I think today's episode is going to be about Suleika's story and also how to live in the unimaginable with sorrow but with hope mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> so Suleika wanted to be a war correspondent and she says that instead of becoming a war correspondent she became a correspondent in the battlefield of yeah. her own health yeah. um And her main focus while she was fighting leukemia was to survive. That was her only focus. 
And she said that facing her own mortality had a way of clearing out everything that did not matter. Mm -hmm. And she just became crystallized and focused on this one thing, which was to survive. And everything else sort of paled in comparison. Um, So when she recovered, um, she says that being cured is where the real healing began. Um, she said she struggled with how to live after her sole focus was to survive. And now that she had, how was she going to move forward? What was she going to do? How was she going to adjust? You know, she came, she became really accustomed to the ecosystem of the hospital. Um, she, it became, you know, her world. You know, and when you're in, when you're in a world for five years, it doesn't matter what that is. You become sort of like attached to it. You yeah. become one with that world. Yeah. Um, and you know, she had a constant fear of relapse. Mm. She had a lot of mm-hmm. unprocessed grief, um, and the reentry into the real world was quite traumatic. And no one had ever talked about that because everyone expected her to be just so overwhelmingly grateful yes. that she had survived. Yeah. Um, do you know Clea from the home edit? No. Um, do you know what the home edit is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just um, finished her last treatment of breast cancer and literally said the exact same thing. Really? Like we planned a trip and that trip after my last, I think it was like radiation or chemo, was the thing getting me through it. And then we got on the trip and all I wanted to do was sleep. And then I was crying. Like I had all of these emotions that overcame me because now I'm in the aftermath of what just happened and I can't just move on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I think I, sh- I feel like I should be grateful, but I'm sad. I'm still angry. Literally exactly the things you just said. Mm. And I would have never no. recognized that, nor anyone in that process probably would have. Yeah. I mean, this isn't apples to apples by any stretch, but when I was sick with my stomach stuff and I didn't know what was going on with me, I thought I was going to feel so just in life and by gratitude that I was okay that did not happen. Yeah. If anything, my depression sort of increased because I still feel like sort of like waffling around, like what is my purpose? Yeah. Um, so I never thought about it like that. And when she started talking about this in her TED talk, I was like, oh my God, like that is so related. Yeah. And just like, you know, you, ex- you expect people to feel so grateful for surviving an unim- unimaginable thing. But, like, it's not that simple. Yeah, which that is part of it. You probably, yeah. that's probably this one emotion of many. Yeah. So she <clears throat> traveled the country with her dog and visited people who had written to her, who were inspired by her column that she wrote for the New York Times. Anyway, so she had all these people writing to her and she visited all these people and she learned sort of this core thing in all of us. And that is, you have two choices. You can allow yourself to be held hostage by the worst thing that's ever happened to you, or you can find your way forward. Oh, God, I love that. I know. So the impulse, (laughs) the impulse is to guard your heart. Yeah. To not do anything. To not have children. To homeschool your kids. To move to France. Mm -hmm. To avoid earth-shattering loss and you know I'm someone who is controlled by fear 
you wouldn't know it from like talking to me, but I have very real obsessive fears Mm -hmm. um, that contribute to my depression and anxiety. And I imagine the worst case scenario in everything I do in vivid detail. You mask it as preparedness. I'm being prepared. I'm preparing myself. Yeah, if I can think about this in excruciatingly vivid detail, it won't happen. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm like sweating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's uncomfortable. This is like, my, this is the core of my mental illness right here. Yeah. You're held hostage by your thoughts. I your am. Obsessions. My obsessions. Yeah. Um, and so she met a professor who was also sick, who was also going through chemotherapy. And he said that instead of, you know, trying to control the future, he told her that he needed to open herself up to the possibility of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And uncertainty for me is so hard. I don't know why, um, but it is the very core of my mental illness. And I'm just so scared of everything all the time, of being ordinary, mm-hmm. of being, of, of failing my partner, of losing what, I have or um, being afraid to, you know, being afraid to submit my writing, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. I'm just like really controlled by uncertainty. So much so that I have thought about getting uncertainty tattooed on myself Mm -hmm. so I can quote unquote tolerate it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I think to not... To go through everything that everyone's going through right now, like blissfully unaware seems nice, but it also seems like you're just not paying attention to what's going on. I, I mean, um, and I, that's, and that's the sensitive person. Yeah. But I also think we're all hurting because some, there are things that aren't right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was listening to you. I don't know if you've listened to this yet, but Michelle Obama was on, we can do hard things. <gasps> Get out. Oh, my God. If you want to feel genuine, true hope, you listen to this episode. Okay? Because there's a a distinct difference here, okay, between the power of positivity, good vibes only, and true, like, sustaining hope. There's a difference positive vibes and good vibes only and all of this positivity toxic positivity shit that I can't stand that is about sort of blocking everything out and just choosing to be blissfully unaware and ignorant Mm -hmm. hope Mm -hmm. is having the full facts yeah and choosing to move forward anyway yeah Moving forward when you feel hopeless. Moving forward when you're sick. Moving forward when you don't know if your children are safe. Mm -hmm. Moving forward when you feel stuck. 
you know, it's the act of moving forward that in and of itself is hope. And this episode with Michelle Obama, she is so incredibly grounded in who she is. It is like humbling and Mm awe-inspiring. And she talks about raising children and how her job as a parent was not to protect them, but to help them be independent. Yeah. And do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And it's not for lack of fear. She's terrified every day. You know, she talks about them going on planes and getting in cars and, Mm -hmm. you know, being around all kinds of different people and opportunities and facing racism. But her job is not to protect him. Her job was to equip them with the tools to be independent people. And I really just felt like that was so poignant. And as I faced this, like, unimaginable choice (laughs) of bringing children into the world or not, Mm -hmm. or maybe... I feel like there's this choice constantly in my head. It's like either I don't have kids or I have kids and maybe they die in the second grade. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The moment you have a child, you open yourself up to an immense amount of vulnerability. Yeah. Because you realize all the things that could happen to them. Mm -hmm. Even in every ultrasound, I was shaking. Like, is everything okay? Like the moment there. But you also open yourself up to a tremendous amount of joy. And I know that's so cliche, but I think there are ways you learn. There are some things you can control and there are some things that are out of your control. Mm -hmm. With everything that's going on now, I had gotten off of social media like two weeks ago. The normal spiral for me of it, (laughs) I love that there's even like, a background of how I behave during school shootings because there's so many. The normal process is that I'm either on Instagram or I get a push notification and then I'm just doom doom scrolling. Everyone's reposting the same shit of like, we've had enough. We've had enough. Don't like, you know, this has got to stop. Everyone's mad. Everyone hates it. It's equal parts comforting that you know that you're not alone in this, but it's also equal parts like we all fucking want this and no one's doing anything about it. You all, you're inundated with so much information that it's very heavy to get out of. I didn't have any of that for this past incident because I wasn't on Instagram. It wasn't until I was able to think about it like, okay, I want I had the thoughts of like, I just immediately want to go pick up my children from school. I just want to hug them. I can't believe I yelled at them last night. Like you go through this cycle of like how much you freaking love them. But the things I can control are telling my daughter about what to do, preparing her if she ever sees a gun at a friend's house. Here are the steps you can do. I can text a friend's parent or my daughter's friend's parent who I don't know and ask if they have any guns in the house. And if so, how are they stored? Ridiculous things we shouldn't have to do, but these are things I can control. I can't control someone coming in her school. Mm. I can be educated on what the school is doing. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have to do all this crap. The blame is not placed on any of these schools. I can control who I vote for. Am I voting for people who are strengthening gun control? Or am I voting for people who are peeling back the layers of gun control? That's something else I can control. I call my elected officials. They need to hear from us. They work for us. 
enough people call, they get scared. Oh, you know, this is a majority consensus. We need to keep doing that. Those are the things I can control. Mm-hmm. Therapy has taught me that. Mm-hmm. Not doom scrolling has taught me that. Mm-hmm. And I had I got this email from Dr. Becky that said talking points to use for your children around school shootings. Mm. The majority of the talking points around any fear of children is knowing that they are safe. At night, they get scared of the dark. You are safe in this house. I'm here to protect you. Nothing's going to happen. I'm here. What I realized was like, envision this. There's like, you draw a circle and you draw your child. You draw a bigger circle around that and that's you. You're protecting them. The bigger circle around us, our community, is not protecting us. Mm. We We don't feel safe. We're trying to make our children feel safe, but we don't have control over our safety yeah. or their safety. Yeah. So that's it's your fears are genuine. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say to that is if you need to be off of social media, if it's too much for you, mm-hmm. that's okay. That's not complacency. Mm-hmm. That's what I struggled with. If I'm not doing everything I possibly can. And if I'm not like crying on the floor, then it's not enough. Mm. But you need to do what is best for you in the moment and letting the people who can do it right now, like moms demand action, those leaders, letting them carry that baton for you is okay. Yep. Um, That reminds me of another thing that Michelle Obama said on this podcast they were talking about do I change the do I change my kids for the world or do I try to change the world for my kids Mm -hmm. and Michelle said she said it's neither you provide a safe spot for your children to land Mm -hmm. she said that her mom used to tell her we're always gonna like you here you can always come home. When the world feels insane, you can come home and have a soft place to land. Yeah. And it, it makes home, the home, it's hard to, I think, have that when you as a parent are scared. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Children do provide you with a sense of hope, though. I know. No, I know. I could see I can I can to, I can totally see that. They're mm-hmm. so young people these days are no joke. They've been through a lot. They are really smart. They are really cool <laughs> and they aren't having any of it. Yeah. Like this new generation of people, they're not having any of this bullshit. Yeah. They see right through it and maybe that's the age of social media they can see an ad they can see right through people and maybe that's going to be their superpower and I'm excited to see what they do they're going to be the people to save us it's not going to be representative Ken Buck who has an AR-15 on his wall okay who blamed the shooting on the mental health crisis yet voted against. Yeah, that's the joke of it is that yet you don't fund mental health. So Brian said it's like 
um, giving up without ever trying. It's like, oh, well, nothing works, but we're not going to try anything. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it relates to this podcast because when you have a mental health crisis in this country like you do, and the incredible accessibility to guns, Mm -hmm. it is a recipe for murder. Mm -hmm. It is a recipe for complete disaster. Mm -hmm. And... I actually called, so I called our senators today and I called Kemp because <laughs> oh. I was like, oh yeah, I can't just call our senators. He's the one who's making our laws on our state. Yeah. And I was like, this is Rachel Wynn. I was like shaking. So I was like, give me a voicemail and a human picked up. And I realized that what sucks about a two-party system is that you have to go for the party that you feel like has the majority of the stuff that you want, even though you don't like some of it. And the Republican Party has weirdly aligned themselves with this freedom movement, which includes the freedom to have as many guns as you want, to carry them around wherever you want. Like these layers of gun control are being peeled back in all of these, like especially Southern states. Mm -hmm. And so I look at, Republicans, some that I know, and I'm like, they don't agree with that, but they're going to vote for the Republican because they don't like Democrats. Yeah. So that's what kind of sucks. I just don't know what could be more important than keep ki- keeping kids safe in first grade, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. is my thing. Yeah, I know. I get you. Um, What's that famous quote about hope? Oh, Desmond Tutu. This is probably what you're thinking. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Yes. And I think, like, I just, I have a really hard time with that right now. Because I was walking my dog yesterday and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful out. And then my, you know, I think this is pretty normal. But whenever I have a positive thought, there's an equal and opposite negative thought. Mm -hmm oh, well, it doesn't matter because all these trees are going to die in 20 years. You know, like I have all of these really dark thoughts about like our world and I'm scared. I'm just scared to act like everything's going to be fine. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just so scared. And, you know, Suleika, back to this uh, the woman who had beat cancer, she has relapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about living in the in-between place of, she talked about being in the in-between place after she had cured cancer, after, after she had beat her cancer. So she wasn't sick anymore, but she didn't feel fully well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our country is, in the in-between place. Um, We have a lot of potential. Um, There are a lot of people fighting for the right things. Uh, But we're not fully well. I don't know about you, but there are some people, kind of like that like circle diagram I was talking about, where we, we feel we need someone that provides us with a sense of security. Mm hmm Having someone that you know and trust make you feel okay again, Brian does that for me. He was like, there, there's a change that will come. 
enough people are pissed about this. It can't keep going on like this. And honestly, I feel like healthcare is going to change too. Some, and I was like, oh, I felt a tinder of like spark rise within me. Michelle Obama did that to you in that episode. Obama did that to me after the, um, when the Black Lives Matter protests were going on. He was not president, but when he spoke, I felt like an exhale. Yeah, like it, there, we forget, we forget that just as many people, if not the rising majority, are are good, mm-hmm. and and there is goodness in this world, mm-hmm. and I think we forget about it because we're so inundated by the negativity of the news cycle and social media. Yeah, and as a former journalist, like. News is hard. It's not necessarily the thing that's making things better. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people out there in the world who want this to change. And they're fighting behind the scenes in small ways, staying up all night, doing the things that you and I can't. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we have to be radically hopeful. Yeah. And choose the dangerous thing, which is that we have to believe that good is going to trump evil. Yeah. Evil. It will. It will. It, 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 there have been so many times in history where it has. You know, this is our great backslide. You know, it feels like. It feels like, you know, gay rights are being stripped away. Yeah. It feels like female rights are being stripped away. It feels like, you know, girls in the sixth grade can't talk about their periods. And it just feels like we're in a dystopian society and we just have to realize that it's all these scared people trying to hold on to the reins of a country that does not make sense for them anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're scared. They're scared of the power of these younger generations. And they should be. Yeah. Because ultimately, they're going to be the ones to change things. They're going to be the ones to make it better. If you're flailing, thinking, you know, in the depths of misery, Mm -hmm. hopefully listening to this, you can relate, but you also can feel hopeful. Mm -hmm. I think this was such a good topic, Jamie. It's so easy to become cynical to this Mm -hmm. because of the repetitive nature. Mm -hmm. But we have to hold on to hope or else we're all just giving in Mm -hmm. to that. This is how it is now. And Mm -hmm. we can't, we can't give in to that thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say thank you to Suleika Jawad for your incredible inspiration. Um, I have followed her for a long time on Instagram, and she is an incredible writer and speaker, and she is somehow still creating art in the face of an unimaginable thing. And I just find so much courage and hope in her presence and um, I just wanted to give her a heartfelt shout out for inspiring this episode. All right, guys, hang in there. <laughs> Don't lose hope. <laughs> what was the Obama slogan? 
What what was it? What was his campaign slogan? I think it was just called change. Oh, no. It was yes, we can. Yes. Okay, guys. Just remember, yes, we can. Congrats, you made it to the end of our show. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and leave a review. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. It will only cause us to spiral. We also want to reiterate that we are not experts, but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are. Join in on the conversation on our Substack page at One Fry Short Pod. See you there.